Welcome to the CSIS Kajit Asia podcast, where we think deeply and reflect on policy in Asia. I'm your host, Will Colson. In this episode, we explore India's energy efficiency efforts. I'll turn it over to Dr. Kartike Singh, Deputy Director with Ardwadwani Chair in U.S.-India Policy Studies. In the modern world, the quest for new and innovative sources of energy seems never-ending. Yet the goal of achieving greater efficiency for existing energy usage is just as important. One developing country, India, is confronting this challenge of increasing energy efficiency despite a variety of obstacles. To learn more about how India and its 29 states are tackling this issue, I sat down with Mr. Saurabh Kumar, Managing Director of Energy Efficiency Services Limited, or EESL, an energy service company launched by Prime Minister Modi as a joint venture between the Central Power Ministry and the state-owned public services to pioneer large-scale energy efficiency projects in India. EESL works with individual state governments in India without any public sector funding to run their large-scale projects like deploying affordable LED bulbs, making energy efficiency appliances directly available to consumers, and providing energy-efficient pumps to consumers in the agriculture sector. Here's my conversation with Mr. Kumar. I'm Dr. Karthike Singh, Deputy Director and Fellow of the CSIS Wadwani Chair. Good morning. My name is Saurabh Kumar. I work as the Managing Director of Energy Efficiency Services Limited. This is a public sector body under Power Ministry with an exclusive mandate of implementing large-scale energy efficiency projects in India and overseas. So in simple terms, why is it important for Indian states to improve their energy efficiency? How is this reflected in government priorities? Okay, let me answer the second question first. And uh, this is something which has happened in the last three years, which has probably never happened uh, in in the power sector of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, You're aware uh, the government of India has come out with a 24 by 7 power for all. And it's a promise that the government has set out that each and every household will be connected to the grid uh, wherever possible uh, by 2022, which is now uh, we are heading to. And to operationalize the strategy, the government of India and the state governments are signing up what is called 24 by 7 power for all document. And as I said, for the first time, uh, energy efficiency has been included in the resource planning, which has never happened in the past. So which means the 24 by 7 document talks about what is the additional generation that you will put in in the next five years. What is the transmission requirements? What is the distribution upgrade that you need to do? And also, what is it that you will reduce your consumption with by using energy efficiency? And also, it includes renewable energy. Mm. So it's a very comprehensive document, and we are uh, working in very close uh, touch with not only the utilities, but also our other counterparts like like PowerGrid, for example, and uh, others. Now, why is it important for India? Uh, India, if you see... It's only 30% urbanized as as of now. I mean, almost 70% India is yet to be built. We already consume, uh, the installed capacity is well over 300 gigawatts. Now, if you look at projections uh, um, for the next 12 to 15 years, this capacity will have to be at least made three times. Also, it is important to understand that for a while, India will remain a fossil fuel-driven energy country. The reason is nuclear is still not there. Yes, uh, renewable, there's an enormous thrust by the government. But then, and gas is very expensive, still not available in India. So coal will remain a mainstay. So it's important, uh, given that India is has committed to the world uh, and, and, and put out a very aggressive uh, INDCs as part of the Paris Accord, 
it's important for india to also make sure that efficiency is put in almost everywhere to stop whatever leakages there in the system more importantly the 70% which is yet to be built should be highest levels of efficiency whether it is and, and therefore you see programs like the smart cities program you see programs like the smart grid coming out where india is really at the cutting edge of the technology so that's why that's why efficiency is extremely important since eesl is a central ministry joint venture with state run power companies you have the largest mandate of procurement of led and agricultural pump replacement to state governments through municipal corporations which states have been the most forward leaning to work with and have made the most progress in meeting their goals to use energy more efficiently okay uh, i'll i'll start with an example first uh, the state of andhra pradesh which i can very well say was was actually has been the leader in everything to do with energy efficiency and the vision of that state let me mention two and a half years ago there was a massive cyclone which hit eastern city called visakhapatnam and amongst many things that was destroyed was the street light infrastructure almost 80% of the street poles were actually uh, on the ground so what the government said is that now that we have to build the new infrastructure particularly of public lighting we will not go the conventional way and they called us and they said you please replace all of them with led lights and put smart controls on them so this was this was the for the beginning of actually our our engagement a very large engagement in street lights and we are i'm happy to report that yes andhra has been the leader in this and we have already completed almost 600000 lights in the entire state mm-hmm. all the lights are public lights uh, in the urban areas are now leds Uh, they are all connected to the connected like a smart lighting followed this by rajasthan mm-hmm. where rajasthan also we have kind of delivered almost 700000 lights so these were the two uh, states that began uh, this whole program as the things have progressed gujarat has come up as another state which is extremely extremely uh, vibrant in terms of accepting new ideas in accepting new things the other notable states which are coming up are 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 uttar up which has just come back from the elections and uh, punjab is the other one and tripura in in northeast where we have, we have also done almost half the lights so these three four states have really embraced the energy efficiency programs both for domestic lighting also for public lighting in fact in the three states if i add uh, and and talk about the led bulbs program just three states themselves have uh, we have been able to distribute more than uh, 70 million led lamps wow. in these three states so so that's the top 3 as far as i am concerned some of the goals of your mandate are incorporated within the center's ujwal discom assurance yojana or uday which is a bailout initiative for the state owned power distribution companies in india for example universal led street lighting by march 2019 and replacement of old agricultural pumps with bureau of energy efficiency standard energy efficient pumps for better load management along the way 27 states uh, have signed on to uday but in that process has it been difficult to implement the mandate in non uday states well uh, not necessarily i mean uh, uh, we had started our program much before uday was launched so there are many non uday states where we are still working with and uh, so it, it's not that the, the, yes of course when there is a push from the center and there is a political alignment and the policy alignment with the state it really helps but somehow we have been quite fortunate to have been, to have done programs in states where where, where there is yet not signed for example west bengal mm-hmm. we are still working in on the led bulb program the tube light program and the fans program they have not yet joined uh, uday 
similarly, I think Tripura, I don't know whether it has joined or not, but uh, we worked uh, in Uday, in Tripura much, much before, even Andhra Pradesh and Rajasthan. I mean, given that our model is so simple and it is so attractive in a sense that there is no upfront capital that any any government has to put in. So it is, it is gaining traction. Yes, Uday has also helped in taking this forward. Let me add that the agriculture pump program that we thought we would take off uh, very, very well has actually not taken off for a variety of reasons. And many of the reasons are that just changing a conventional pump doesn't provide that incentive, financial incentive, to the states to really take off this project. And plus there are certain other issues related to taxation, uh, particularly when an energy service company like ours come in. Uh, there is a, a incidence of service tax, etc., etc. So we are redesigning the program and we are relaunching this program now in the next two weeks by including a very innovative model of combination of solar, microgrid and uh, efficient pumping, which has an incentive for all of that. With such large-scale projects, it is interesting to note that you are not using any government funding, but have rather accessed investments from the private sector and from multinational development banks. What is the role that private companies, research institutions, universities, and even states and cities in the United States can play in assisting EESL? Let me first clarify, there is no money that has come from central government. I mean, this, that is why our program is absolutely unique. Uh, we have no grant funds, we have no budget allocations from the government of India or any other bilaterals or multilaterals, and we don't want that as well. The reason is, we feel energy efficiency is a sustainable activity. And, and the moment you plug in public money, whether from the government or from anywhere else, it just limits the market to, that, to the size of subsidy or budget that you have. Our business model is very simple. We have four promoters, all of them in the large public sector uh, companies. We have taken equity from them. We raise debt, both from multilaterals and bilaterals, and also from open market. All our costs... All our profits are inbuilt into the program mm. and we are a sustainable organization. Uh, we are actually a profit-making organization. We are paying 30% dividend every year to our promoters. They are very happy. We plan to list our company uh, later this financial year. And, and let me give an example of what roles can be played. For example, this entire concept of connected lighting emanated from discussions that we had with several companies who have done this project's in US. And that's how we got to know the designs. How do you uh, create uh, those, those technical specifications? Second example is that we worked very closely with USAID and, and we have just launched a super efficient air conditioner program. And, and what USAID helped us with is designing the whole technical standards, looking at what is the commercial viability of that air conditioner. And then we also were aided by LBNL who gave us very high-level analysis as to what, what will happen if we do not intervene in the air conditioner space. Because please understand, India is still a very poor country. For us, uh, doing an air conditioner program in a way that we are doing an LED program can be called as an elitist program because only 6 to 7% of Indian households are actually having air conditioners. So it was important for us to have these, these kinds of very credible analysis with us to help convince the stakeholders. So what the cities, what the think tanks have been doing and helping us is essentially in, in creating value for whatever has to be done, looking at things which are not available in India. I'm not talking about money. Money is not really a constraint 
uh, if you have a good project. And so far, we have been lucky. We have had uh, good projects. But cities in, in, for example, US, who have done smart cities, who have, who have gone through all this, we don't need to really struggle and figure out uh, uh, how, how to do this. Right. It always helps to leapfrog. And, and uh, for example, the LED uh, uh, story, we have leapfrogged from incandescent straight to LEDs. Right. So similar things uh, by, by, by very close cooperation, by think tanks, with actual users, by technology providers, it has helped us all this while, not just in ESL, but also in the Bureau of Energy Efficiency. Mm. For instance, the first concept of energy service company in India was brought in by USAID. And look, that's what created ESL and, and, and a value proposition. So it's not about funding as such. It's about technical help, assistance, maybe public-to-public -public contact or a B2B contact. That is what we are looking at in our, in our association, not just with the US, but many other developed countries. So recently, the Economic Times reported your promise to distribute LED bulbs to Sri Lanka, Nepal, and Bhutan, and another street lighting program in Bangladesh funded by the Indian government. What is the status of these new programs? Also, has there been any backlash in looking outwards, given your mandate is so large in India itself? While we are a public sector company and we do have a mandate uh, to do what we are doing, and we are doing delivering that mandate, we are also a commercial company. And uh, not that we would like to go out of the way to make money, but yes, we see international markets to be extremely good. And uh, you may not believe it, but developed markets are, are places where we feel we have a larger value addition than uh, the developing markets. And we have already started our operations in UK. We have an office set up in UK. We have acquired a asset which is, which is running. And we feel that we can contribute a lot more. And I'll dwell one minute as to why we feel this. Uh, in most of the developed world, energy efficiency has been driven by ratepayer rebates, which essentially is a public subsidy. At the end of it all, all of us pay and it gets socialized into, into the electricity bill. Our great value addition that people are now realizing is that we don't get into all that. It's an on-bill payment system. And that is what we have perfected, whether it is an LED bulb or a fan or a tube light or it's going to be an air conditioner. And that is what is attracting people actually in the developed world to come and uh, to, to, to see if we can deliver similar stuff uh, in their markets. And we are very happy to do that. Coming back to the first question of, of why we are doing this in Sri Lanka uh, or in Nepal, both these countries have a enormous power shortages. And uh, if you look at the LED market in these states, it's literally non-existent. So what we have done and offered, in fact, we have signed a 20 million deal with uh, Nepal, we will give them the LED bulbs at the same price as we give it to consumers in India. Because we feel this is, this is something that India should uh, pass on, regardless of what profits we get or not. We have also offered to Nepal that we will help you structure the entire program, and we will not charge you anything for that. We will provide this technology. It's a south-south it's a cooperation. And similar thing in, in uh, uh, Sri Lanka. In Bangladesh also, we have we have implemented a very small project of connected streetlights in, in one of their prominent towns. And we have hope to then replicate this over, over the entire Bangladesh. Because all of us are in the same uh, boat uh, with regard to energy crisis, energy pr problems. And more importantly, we can provide something good to the people who deserve it. I mean, ultimately, who uh, benefits from an LED bulb? It is the person on the ground who uses the bulb, his or her, uh, costs of energy reduces. B, 
the light is very good see the light, the the bulbs last for a very long time and these are very important in uh, helping such classes of people across the region and the government is fully behind us uh, as far as this uh, particular thing is concerned that's our show the audio for this podcast was edited by ribka gemlingsari this podcast was written and produced by Jeffrey Bean. To learn more, visit our new look CSIS.org and KajAsia.com. You can follow our Asia programs on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, RSS, or email on CSIS.org. Stop by our Asia Maritime Transparency Initiative for groundbreaking analysis in maritime Asia, now in five languages, and check out our latest Reconnecting Asia feature. Also, be sure to listen to our latest China Power podcast on the Trump-Xi Summit with Eli Ratner. I'm Will Coulson. Thanks for listening.